sisters, listen closely. Finding out he's the one can sometimes feel like traveling through a desert of uncertainty. I mean, every time you feel like you've reached an oasis, it ends up being a mirage. As your resident sister and friend, here are five common red flags that you need to steer clear away from. First up, if he's asking for your phone number straight off the bat, but not your dad's, well, that's a major red flag waving in your face. Next, if he's hitting you up with texts and calls late at night, you better believe he's not serious and chances are he won't respect your boundaries. Watch out for those put down disguised as sarcastic banters. You know, the ones that make you the butt of the joke. It's time to show him the door. And oh, if he's more interested in hearing himself talk than listening to what you have to say, girl, that's a sign you need to run in the opposite direction. And let's not forget the classic line, my ex was crazy. Yeah, right. If he's mouth-mouthing his ex left and right, chances are he's the one with the issues. And those are just the obvious red flags. Let's help you uncover what's really hiding underneath the surface with Vibe Check, the ultimate prompt card game for meaningful connections. Crafted with deep respect for Islamic traditions, Vitech goes beyond the surface, allowing you to discover the essence of your potential life partner's faith, character, and aspirations. With eight thoughtfully crafted categories and 135 thought-provoking questions, Vitech ensures a comprehensive understanding of your potential spouse, from values and ambitions to personal quirks and preferences. I mean, skip the surface-level discussions and dive straight into what truly matters. Visit our website, www.thedigitalstory.com now and take the first step towards finding your righteous partner. Your journey to marital bliss begins here. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's your girl, Adar, and you're listening to the Digital Sisterhood Podcast. Okay, last episode, I basically sent you guys in. I left you for a cliffhanger. Introducing Hilal's next chapter, her marriage. The story begins on the morning of her wedding day on January 13, 2017. So on January 13, 2017, on the morning of my wedding, um, I was actually preparing my lesson for Quran. <laughs> And I remember uh, reading it to my friend because I was like, you know, if I see if I stay consistent on my wedding day, I'll be consistent for the rest of my life. Period. Had a chill morning, you know, just preparing for the wedding day, and I did not do nothing, guys, other than memorize, do you know, my etiquette, I guess, just trying to feel the fact that I was getting married. And even though I'm ambivert, so I'm more extroverted sometimes. I was just so scared of the fact that I have to walk into a hall with all those people and the amount that I thought it was doubled by that amount so I thought it would be like maybe 200 300 people and I came into the hall and it's what like almost 800 you know when you're on your wedding day it's just it's a lot of excitement mm -hmm. you know um you're just like okay I'm gonna look cute you know I have my henna done you know and that um, Cinderella moment yeah Cinderella Prince moment. Charming is it, gonna be waiting out with the exactly. carriage exactly <laughs> so um and I remember I still did not believe whoa I'm actually getting married you know yeah wow and I remember your wedding your wedding was fun <laughs> it was the most lit wedding halal I have fun. Halal fun. it was halal fun it was absolutely permissible but it was lit I think I think people went to your wedding thinking oh my god halal people can have fun 100%. Yeah, I, I think you proved that. <laughs> a lot of my uh, old friends, like, from back in the days came to the wedding, and they were like, y'all really turn up up here. Yeah, like, <laughs> she's like, I was waiting for some Quran and Dua and just sitting at a table. I was, she was like, if y'all told me it was going to get down like this, <laughs> I would have dressed accordingly. What, what does uh, Brother Hanif say? It was a halal turn up? We turn up for Allah's sake. We turn up for Allah's sake. We literally turned up for Allah's sake. <laughs> and my mom, Brambert. And your mom did a phenomenal <laughs> job. I remember people saying the way your mom, Brambert, at my wedding, she never did that anywhere else. Fam, the floor was shaking. I remember I was on the stage and I thought there was going to be an earthquake. <laughs> I was on stage and I thought it was an earthquake. <laughs> my favorite moment in Hilal's wedding was when my mom was brambling about uh, Hilal's grandmother who has Alzheimer's, his husband. 
And the reason why I loved it so much was um, just imagine a circle of women, right? And they're uh, clapping in unison. And my mom is in the middle and it's heated. It's hot. Everyone's excited. We're wondering what's going to happen next. I remember when she was mentioning her grandfather, um, Hilal's grandmother's husband. Hilal's grandmother gets up and she's sitting in a chair, okay? She's sitting in a chair. I'm not sure if she understands fully what's going on. You know what I mean? And when she hears what my mom is saying, Hilal's grandmother gets up by the shock of the crowd, okay? Gets up and everyone's shoving each other, move, move, move. Because they're all surprised, right? Imagine when Musa Ali and I split the sea, you know the shock of that? It was like that kind of moment, like the sea split in the middle of a perfectly circulated circle. Okay, circulated circle. And Hilal's grandmother started jumping barambar. Like she understood what my mom was saying. And when I tell you, I thought the ceiling was going to fall. I thought the ceiling was going to fall. And everyone hysterically is laughing and roaring. It was like anything that was wrong that night didn't happen. Everything was good. It was just, it was honestly the most magical thing I've ever seen. And and an example of what true love looks like. Even having Alzheimer's, you still remember your merciful husband. The husband that you spent also so many years and raised kids with. And I just was like thinking to myself, oh, my God, that's going to be Hilal. You know, she's going to have that kind of marriage. And that one day, even when she gets old, she's still going to love and honor her husband. And, you know, it's so funny um, um, is that my grandma, I remember asking her, I said to her, hey, where did you get this energy from? I asked her in Somali. She said, you think I'm going to let anyone jump for my husband except for me? As she should. As she should. As she should. And that's on Rabbil Alameen. <laughs> Honestly, she was dead serious. Um, so I'll say, Adar, I want to mention is that, you know, preparing for this day was supposed to be stressful, but I decided not to take that much stress on myself. You know, you're already stressed over the fact that you're going to start a new life with somebody. And this person is actually a stranger. Let's be completely honest. You know, um, you know, Why are they a stranger though? Because in Islam, we don't date. No, we don't. We don't. Not in that. Not in the Western way. Exactly. The boyfriend who? What do we do instead? Right? We send emails saying what? Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. I hope you're in the best state of iman and health. Health and iman. Health and iman. <laughs> <laughs> it's very First of formal. All, why do we all flirt in that way? Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi brother. Like you. And you know the thing is, it's that at the end of the day, we we, we recognize that we have to obviously do things the way that pleases Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. But let's be real. Somebody can copy and paste answers from Google and then paste it. It's you know too I mean? formal, but you know what? But there's, we don't know any other way. And it's like, it's you're, it's so awkward, you know? Yeah. It's like, you, and you know what the thing is? No one ever teaches you how to speak to a brother. And can I be with you? Our parents weren't practicing. A hundred percent. So they were out here dating our parents. on, And I don't want to say this to my own What a movie theaters. <laughs> they don't want to cover right neck, but our parents weren't um, worried about doing it the right way. And I, subhanAllah, the generations have changed so much. And we're concerned about that. And because they don't know how to really advise us, and, and maybe because they're not really familiar with And they didn't know better. Norms. They yeah. didn't know better. Yeah, they're not know? familiar with those norms. Yeah, so have, getting to know somebody in that type of formal way is a bit difficult. But when you do things for Allah SWT, he puts barakah and he, you know, he, he saves you from you know, haram and so on and so forth. Um, but the society pressure other of being the perfect wife is ridiculous especially in the Somali community. And what I mean by is not just you being the perfect cook and being a perfect cleaner and, you know, always making yourself look good, but also that you have to be a certain weight. You know, um, even if you're skinny, you're told you need to gain weight. If you're chubby, you're told who's going to like you like this. And even if the brother accepts you and he's pleased with you, everyone's going to tell you, no, he's not going to like you if you're like this. And it's crazy because people are going to say this to you and the, the pressure, it's so much that you start not enjoying the process of getting married, right? And then on top of that, the actual pressure of being stressed yourself. So it's like pressure after pressure after pressure, right? So when you come on that wedding day, you're just thinking, oh, finally, it's here. I just want to get over with it, right? And it's unfortunate that this is how society, like, makes things um, so difficult for the sisters, you know, that you have to be this perfect girl for a brother to accept you. No one's perfect, and these are all just delusions, honestly. Wallahi. Um, I remember I would, other, for two months I didn't eat good food. Like, I didn't have good food. Like, what? <laughs> People are telling you me. You starved. Just, starved to death. 
and I still look good. <laughs> you know, and it's like it's like um, okay, yeah, you you lost a couple weight, and like okay, you fit in your dress, but you're starving. It's not even fun. Yeah, it's not. It's not. You're drinking smoothies only. Yeah. <laughs> Up until that wedding day. And so that the preparation is like soul sucking. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because that's supposed to be the happiest day of your life. Mm-hmm. Aside from, you know, um, other accomplishments in life. But it's a part of, it's one of the happinesses that Allah Taala will give you. When you get married, it's to prepare for your wedding day. And you're supposed to enjoy that moment. But unfortunately, with all these pressures, it makes it hard. So I just always, now I'm like, y'all. Wherever you are, whoever you are, how you look, you will have somebody who will accept you for who you are. Don't listen to society and don't listen to anyone telling you you are not enough. And that's on what? That's on Rabbil Alameen. Hilal went into her marriage with the hopes that all the societal pressures, the pressures of being a good wife, looking cute, you know, she felt that eventually she'd finally get her feet landed on the ground and that she'd get used to things and she'd have a rhythm. Unfortunately, she never found that rhythm. In the beginning parts of the marriage, you know, you're just so focused on being the good wife. And during this time, I kind of took a break from memorizing the Quran the way I would have memorized usually. Um, I remember Alan telling me, don't come to me for 30 days. I don't even want to see you. <laughs> she just told me straight up. She's like, when you get settled, come back to Duxie. And I remember being so sad. Like, I would try to memorize, but it's like, okay, wait, I have to cook. I got to do this. And I know people are thinking, like, doesn't this stuff take easy? Isn't it just easy to do? But you're just so nervous. It's a life that you haven't lived before. Even if you've cooked and cleaned and you were like that at your mom and dad's house, it's different when you're with somebody that you don't know. And you know the crazy part is your family members calling you, hey, how are you? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Are you making him happy? And it's just like, do you look good? Do you look cute? Yeah. What are you wearing right now? What, what's your hair look like? And I'm like, hold up, y'all. You're not going to ask me how I'm doing? <laughs> How I'm feeling? Like, am I good? <laughs> you know, only like a close friend of mine's like you guys would like reach out to me and ask me how I'm doing. I love reward you all, my close friends. But other than that, like you know, the, my family members, like the aunties and my mom, and we like, okay, what are you cooking today? All right, so make sure you cook, make sure the house is clean, make sure you know you look good. And it's like, okay, can I have my own time? Yeah, you can have your own time after you deal all with all this stuff. So hello, I want to know how well did you conform? How many meals were you making? You know how many meals I was making? I was honestly going, first of all, I burnt a lot of things. I'll be completely honest. I was a pretty good cook until I got married and I'm like, whoa, I have to level up. (laughs) It's called performance anxiety. (laughs) Yeah, I was burning pasta. Like, who burns pasta? (laughs) But it's just like, what if he doesn't like the taste of this? And then I remember just putting conjunctions, like just throwing things in. And I was just like, and I remember calling my mom. You know, so funny, for the first two weeks of my marriage, actually, my mom would come over while while, while he was at work and be like, no, you need to use this. You need to use that. She was like trying to teach me. Even though I knew how to cook like the basic things and I was good. It was like, no, you're not good enough. It has to be like Hamdi restaurant style. And I'm like, I can't do that. I'm just, just I'm not that level yet. So it was just it was a lot of pressure, but um I slowly started getting used to it. But when you get married in the beginning of the marriage, right? It's you feel bad not cooking. I don't know, it's like this guilt, it's like this cloud that's just mm-hmm. on top of you. Even if he's not he's not forcing you. Mm-hmm. He's cool, he's not saying anything to you, but you have that pressure from society. And that's what takes so much energy off of me that I wasn't able to study my Quran the way I wanted to. The side pressures were really heavy. They were already too much to handle. Then her dad got sick. He got really, really sick. In the end of February, um, my father had to get surgery. He has diabetes. He had an infection in his uh, foot. So um, they just wanted to take the scab off. And, and they it was, it was very minor surgery, by the way. It wasn't something really big. Um, so he was meant to cover cover. It was supposed to be easy. But what happened was that two weeks after that surgery, he became severely ill. And he would be sweating the whole night. He would be complaining about his back pain. He would say, I can't breathe. And I was like, okay, like, Abu, we need to take you to the hospital. And subhanAllah, the day we actually took him to the hospital, they were scared that he was almost about to fall into coma. That's how bad he was, his situation. And um, they said he can't leave the hospital. And they checked him and they said he also needs to get amputated. And I was like... It was just like one thing after the next, you know? Mm-hmm. So the whole end of March and all of April, I was just dealing with my father getting the surgery, you know, getting his toe amputated, also dealing with his recovery. And I wasn't mentally there. I, because if, if anyone knows me, knows my dad's my best friend. He's my world. I'm a daddy's girl. 
and the doctor's telling you, you know, your dad's situation is bad. He might pass away if we don't, if the surgery doesn't go well, if he doesn't recover. And plus he's diabetic. So many things. Um, and that type kind of, um, that situation put a lot of pressure on my marriage um, because of how emotional I was. Hilal had to spend, had to cut a lot of our time at home to come to the hospital and take care of him and then go back home. Hilal spent nights driving back and forth, back and forth. She was hosting visitors at the hospital. She was trying to manage her stress, the fears that are creeping up in her head about the possibility of her father passing away. It all just became too much. It just became too much to handle. So uh, Ramadan came, and alhamdulillah, my father was in the rehab center, slowly getting better, but my marriage was going downhill. I started actually realizing that the difference between us, you know, we, you know, in marriage, obviously there's a lot of differences between couples, but when it's to the point where it's like, whoa, there's too much differences, and we cannot meet in the middle, and we can't see eye to eye, that's when I started seeing the tension, right? Um, we're not getting along. We're not being able to communicate with each other. Frustrations, you know, anger. And on top of that, for me, was also the stress of my father being sick. So my emotions being high also, right? And then Ramadan coming in. And I was like, okay, Ramadan's here now. I want to focus on my ibadah. I want to I want to just lay low. I just want to be calm. But there's so much tension in the marriage. So um, I and I remember that Ramadan like it was yesterday. <laughs> Feeling so sad some nights waking up. I would wake up in the middle of the night. And I'm like, okay, let me go check on my dad, you know. Or, um, and I remember I was like, wow, no, my dad's fine. He's in the rehab center. Like I was so used to going at nighttime sometimes checking up on him that I forgot he was in the hospital no more. He was in a rehab center. Like that's how much my mind was so stressed over him. Um, and sometimes I remember just not talking for days, crying, you know, being like, so hold on. Is this marriage not going to work out? Like it started slowly hitting me that we might not be able to work this out. And that kind of put me in a mood where I almost fell in depression because then I started feeling like, now what am I going to do if this doesn't work out? People are going to say that I ruined my marriage and I wasn't able to be a good wife. And I was scared of that. I was scared of the title that the community was going to give me. And I know during those type of situations, you think to yourself, shouldn't you just be scared of what's between you and your husband? But it's like, no, you're, you're scared of about the fact that you guys are not going to work out and what people are going to say about you and what people are going to narrate about you. And they don't even know what's going on in your marriage. But just the fact that it didn't work out, it's automatically your fault. I was so scared. And I remember uh, calling my mom. And my mom saying to me, are you sure? Like, this is it, you know? And I was just like, she's like, you, sh you should be patient. Work it out. And I'm like, mom, listen, he's a good brother, and I'm not a bad sister. But we're not meeting eye to eye, right? And I don't want us to be in a marriage, and we are continuing different paths in life and not being able to meet in the middle. And that's the thing about marriage, Adar. You know, you need patience. You need dulqat, tolerance. But... You also have to be able that both parties, with their differences, can meet in a, in, a, in a common ground. And even though the lives are so different and the type of focuses they have in life can be different, but there has to be compromise from both sides. And if that can't happen, it will not be able to work out. And that's where I was in my life. So things took a turn. If Hilal had any ounce of hope that our marriage would work out, it was shattered in the last 10 nights. So uh, in the last 10 nights of Ramadan is when I got my divorce. And it was actually um, nearing, it was the middle part of the last 10 nights, almost to Eid, when I got divorced. I remember coming to the masjid for Tajr prayer. And the day that I got my divorce, I remember sitting outside of Khalid bin Walid, parking the car, and just crying. Crying, saying to myself, okay, so my marriage didn't work out. Abu is recovering. I'm really lacking in my Quran in this point in my life. I'm barely reading a juz a day, barely memorizing. My iman was to the floor. I had no hope. I felt so sad. And I just remember crying so much that my eyes became bloodshot red. My nose was just, you know, running. And I remember having an anxiety attack in the car. And I, I mentioned in the last episode that I did deal with anxiety in the starting points of my practicing. 
that anxiety came back. And I never had that type of anxiety. I didn't remember how it felt for quite some time. So it hit me like a ton of brick. And you couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. And I remember there was a sister who was in the parking lot. Well, lie, this is so crazy. She was in the parking lot. And I remember opening my car and just saying, I can't breathe. And, like, I'm about to faint. And she picked I remember she ran from her car. She was, like, uh, parked right behind me. She was like, are you okay? Are you okay? She brought me a water bottle. And I remember she was like, you're fine. You're just having an anxiety attack. I don't even know how she thought I was having an anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. She was like, listen, you're talking to me. You're fine. And I remember looking at her, and she's like, what's wrong with you, Hila? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I remember wiping my tears off. And she, and she was like, the prayer is starting. So I just remember leaving the car. And I remember just coming into the masala. Uh, and I just remember saying to myself, listen, it is what it is. It's time to focus on the last 10 nights of Ramadan and finish strong. You know what's so weird? At the time when you, the moment when you come to the masjid, I saw you that day. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know what was going on. But I knew your, something was off, right? Because remember, I met you as this bubbly, funny, you know, energetic, optimistic person. And when I saw you, I don't want, Hilal, don't get emotional, okay? No, I'm not going to get emotional. I, don't get emotional, but... I remember when you walked in, and I, I, at the time I didn't know it, but I knew that you felt different. But I thought it was just that you know, last ten nights race, everyone gets focused in. But you weren't that. Uh, you weren't that. Um, you weren't that. Um, well, don't cry. I'm only crying after it because you know. I can't even. I can't even tell you what I saw because I can see your eyes swelling up. But what? I, what I just want to say. I want to finish what I. Yeah. I'm going to, um, go ahead, go what ahead. I want to say, but. I saw you. I knew something was off, but I didn't know something was off. Does that make sense? Because I, I couldn't tell if it was just the mood of the last 10 nights and everyone gets super focused. But I salamed you and you salamed me back and you walked past me. When you walked past me, I was just standing just in the hallway, just in front of the musalla. And a Somali habariyat approaches me and a Somali auntie approaches me and she says, Hey, habariyat auntie, do you know that Hilal got divorced? Okay, and Baju, you just passed me. You're in the musalla at the front row and at the door, Ahabad is asking me if you got divorced and I was in shock. And I looked at her in just shock and so confused as to why A, you would do it like this and B, I, 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 I felt instantly, like I felt, a pit of, I felt that pit in my stomach mm-hmm. for you because I wanted that for you. You know, like a, 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 a happy ending and... To, and I didn't even know if it was true or not. So I walked into the masala. I was standing in the back, I remember. And you know, the habitats are sitting in the chair, right? They always sit in the chairs in the back. And I saw you in the front, and you were just buried in your Quran. I just remember you were, you was almost like, it wasn't like you were reading. It was almost like you were trying to hide your face. I was hiding my face because I was crying. <laughs> I didn't want no one to see me. <laughs> and um, I just remember Ma'am Muhammad reciting. <laughs> And it's crazy because the teacher who taught me the Quran is the same one that's <laughs> curing me at this sad point in my life in the prayer. I remember he's reciting the last edges of the Quran, and I remember being able to recite with him because I, I I knew these uh, these surahs. And I remember just right away thinking like, what's wrong with me? I've lost myself. I've um, I don't know what to do next. And I just remember just being in a state of helplessness. Yeah hopelessness and and the crazy part was is that I, I never told anyone I was divorced the only people that I knew were literally my family members and the close companions of mine who were with me especially two of them who were with me during my Eid period especially so seeing people finding out and I would yeah, and I would feel the eyes on the other mm-hmm. I remember there was I remember I couldn't you know usually you know me and Khalid like I'm yeah, the one that would yeah, turn salam around everyone. salam everyone I just couldn't look at no one's face because my eyes were red and the t- the place where you see me praying, I was having constant anxiety attacks there. <laughs> and that's why I was keep on reading the Quran because I was hoping that through the recitation, Allah SWT would take this away from me. And I just remember just being in a state of dua, saying, Oh Allah, I'm pleased with your decree. I know that you have something good planned for me. I don't know where it is. I don't know when it's going to come, but I believe in you. So just please just take this pain away from me. Just let me have... A good ending to my Ramadan. I know I haven't been the best this Ramadan because of what's going on in my life, but let me just finish off strong. And I just remember just crying. But Subhanallah, um, I needed that cry. I needed to cry to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala because actually hearing my Muhammad recite certain verse in 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 the Tahajjud healed my heart. 
because it's been a while since I came to the masjid I could hear the Quran, right? So I remember just crying and him reciting the verses. And you know how beautiful my Muhammad recites. It goes right into your heart, right? Mm-hmm. So alhamdulillah, we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the hardships and for the ease. Hilal spent the remaining days of Ramadan begging Allah for relief, begging Allah for clarity and peace. She spent the rest of Ramadan burying her grief, her sadness, and she did it in the best last 10 days of Ramadan. But the best days came to an end. Well, Eid was supposed to be a joyous event where Muslims are supposed to come together to celebrate. Hilal spent Eid feeling sad, wanting to not be seen. She spent Ramadan hoping that she could feel that celebration that everyone's feeling, but she all she could feel is how broken she is. You know, a day for me, I thought it was uh, a difficult day. I just want to say, um, I don't know when I got this emotional, Adar. <laughs> <laughs> you know why we're emotional, Hilal? Because, because it's Ramadan. Yeah, yeah. And so it, uh, and, and it feels like as if it happened yesterday. Literally. I remember it from my point of view. Mm-hmm. You lived it. And we're now fast approaching the last 10 nights. And, and I think these 10 nights remind you of those days, right? They remind you of those, th- those low days. Yeah. You know how Eid Day is, especially for married couples. With even, with, even if they're single or they have kids, everyone comes, they dress nice, they have their family together. But for me, my dad was sick. And um, a lot of people of my family members, not everyone knew that I was divorced, only the very close ones and my very close companions. And wallahi, I sincerely want to thank my family members and my close companions. They really helped me get through that tough time. Um, but may Allah SWT reward them. But in eight day, other, I just remember going to the back of the prayer. I didn't even want to come to eight Salah. But I'm like, okay, what's your excuse? We know the Prophet ﷺ told everyone to come out for their eight Salah. And unless you have a valid excuse, you shouldn't miss this prayer. I was like, is heartbreak a valid excuse? <laughs> you know, I was like, is is feeling sad a valid excuse? Well, I was like, I was really like going on Islam community. <laughs> <laughs> You're back at Shukugo. Shukugo. <laughs> <laughs> Allahu Akbar. Um, and I just remember coming to the Eid Salah and I remember just thinking, everyone's so happy and I just don't want to be here. Like seeing everybody just taking pictures and I just look like Cruella Deville. Like, you know? Okay, no, you didn't. I remember what you were wearing. You were wearing a navy blue jibab. <laughs> no. Or no, it was no, one piece. It, it was, was navy, one. navy blue. Do you remember? Yeah. Because I, I, I feel like you have to understand your story. Although you know your own story, I know your story because I watched you. That's amazing. And I observed. I knew you. Were, I knew you were devastated. And although, and, and I couldn't talk to anybody about it because I didn't know who knew about what happened to you, and I didn't want to talk to you about it because I'm not trying to cause emotional and either this is trauma. Also, this is the time also me and you started getting close. Exactly, we weren't yeah. that close. But you know, um, through that, uh, my heart, my heart really felt for you, Hilal. And um, and wallahi, I prayed for you from a distance. Honestly, so I was so shocked at how much questions I was getting over and over again where he was. I was just like, how come no one's saying Mubarak to me? Yeah. <laughs> like, no one's I was just like, oh, where's your husband? And I'm just like, oh, he's here. I honestly would just lie about it because I just didn't want to be questioned. I remember the minute Eid Salah finished, either I was the people, you know those people in Eid Salah when they just chill until the end, last people, salaming everybody, chilling, that was not me. I was like, in and out. Go right back into the car. I didn't want to see nobody. Any the people that did see me, I would salam them and try to cover my pain. But I would be my my eyes were so watery, right? I was just so emotional. I just remember going into the car and I just cried again, cried off my makeup. Just it just all came down, you know. Um, and I just spent eight with a uh, with my close friends, and uh, I just stayed up all night just eating ice cream. That was my eight, and that's when my the period began. Now. And for those who are wondering what an idda period is, it's the period between um, pronouncing your divorce and being actually divorced. Allah SWT gives this grace period for couples to possibly explore reconciliation. And so she spent that time in seclusion. Reminds me a lot like the Prophet, Prophet Muhammad when he was in uh, his cave, Hira, and he spent time recentering spending time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in private with his thoughts he lost spent it the same way 
So uh, my Eid period when I began, um, still emotional, you know, and I remember saying to myself, okay, Ramadan is done. You are not divorced. And we both knew that this marriage wasn't going to work out. And we respectfully like, like left ways. It was, you know, we, we, we just respect the fact that this was not going to work. And even though it was painful and it was sad, it was like, okay, now I got to just get ready for getting back to being a single person again. I remember feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm now labeled as a divorcee, you know? And I remember getting kind of pressure in the community because when you're a divorcee and a practicing sister, it's like, how could you let that be? You knew Allah's religion. You knew better. You're the Naqabi sister. It's like they take the, the, they unhumanize you. Mm-hmm. And that's why I felt like the divorce was so hard for me. Um, I felt like I brought shame to my family to myself I felt like something like I lost some type of honor but it was the Quran that gave me my honor back that's when I started memorizing again the way I really should have been memorizing from the beginning but the du'as I made in the last 10 nights Allah showed me in my the period Allahu Akbar and I asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I said Ya Allah I want to memorize your book please give me the tawfiq give me the ability to get back on my feet I was just, my head was in that Quran. My Mus'haf and me were together every single second. I just remember anytime I would feel sadness, ah, let me just go memorize. Let me go get another page. Let me just add another two pages. And I just remember my memory that was so weak just a couple weeks ago. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was expanding it for me, expanding it for me. And in my three months of the period, I memorized a lot of Quran. I was able to, I would say at least... 12 edges sometimes i would memorize four pages a day for Some, three months you memorize four pages a day four pages a day sometimes i would do um sometimes i would do a whole surah i remember doing surah um subhanallah <laughs> i remember doing surah nahal in literally a day and a half i was like you said you said finish 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 you ate you ate it walaqay, walaqay. and the problem with laqing is i suffered in revision so what's laqing mean tell me because people don't speak Allah. when you just swallow and you you're just... not chewing <laughs> So you swallowed it. Yeah, I just, I was just, I wasn't feeling the process of memorization. And I don't recommend this to anyone, huh? Uh, your discretion is advised. Well, th- this is where the Quran teacher Hilal is speaking. Yeah, this is this is where I have to come out as the ma'alan, guys. Yeah, do this, not this, do this. This is not for everybody. This was, you guys have to understand the state of mind I was in. I was being, I was trying to numb my pain. And the Quran was a means of healing me. But I was just doing too much. And I remember sometimes I would memorize so much that when I would come to ma'alan, she's like, so who's going to review all this Quran? <laughs> Who's going to do all this subah? Because you remember it so much. Where's the review? Yeah. And How can you review that much material? And she was just like, I know, like, okay, hold on. Let's take it slow. Let's, 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 let's calm down here. I know you want to finish, but whoa, this is, this is a bit too fast, you know? I don't know what it is, but it was adrenaline rush through my blood. It was like, the more I would increase in the eye, it was like, yes. It was like a crack addict. <laughs> you became a crack addict. Literally. You know what it is? You, you were coping. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, people who would cope with, like, drugs. Mm-hmm. You, you you use Quran as your your drug, yep. and you got addicted to it, and you craved its its result. Yeah, you know, and you you did you did well, um, and I and I and I think it's beautiful because people cope with heartbreak in different ways, but mm. Allah chose Quran for you. Yeah, one of my favorite all time Canadian heroes is Terry Fox. He ran through Canada with an amputated leg. He Saw people at different checkpoints. You saw Terry Fox on the highway. The man was picking up speed. Many people doubted that he would even be able to do it. He had every reason not to do it. Kind of reminds me of Halal, right? She didn't have an amputated leg, but she did have a broken heart. Um, and instead of giving up in that marathon and memorizing the Quran, she made it through, just as Terry Fox made it through. Hilal began her final stretch. I just remember that every time I would finish a surah, it was unreal. It was like, I'm getting closer mm-hmm. and closer. And I remember in Ramadan of 2018 is when I just said, Ya Allah, I'm at the final stretch. Mm-hmm. Please let me not finish this year, but I complete the Quran. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let this be the year that you write for me, that I've memorized your book and that I have it in my heart. 
And I remember that dua, wallahi adar, I don't know what it was, but in my heart, I felt it being accepted. Yeah, you felt the conviction. I felt the conviction. Like when I was making dua, I was like, Allah, you are going to make this happen for me. I know you will. I'm going to get through this. This has been a, a difficult year, aside from the previous one. And this year is going to be the year that I'm going to be happy again. And I remember every time I would complete a surah, it was like, whoa, I'm getting closer. And I remember, I think when it hit me that I was getting closer to finishing when I reached the Tawbah, because that's the last 10 edges of the Quran. And I was like, okay, this is this is literally the last 10. And I was like, Ma'alan's like, when do you want to finish? I remember she was saying this to me after Ramadan, and I was like, Ma'alan, I'll see you in December. I am not going 2019, but I'm I'm gonna be memor- I'm gonna be finished. She was like, you think you're? She's like, but you have 10 edges left. Watch me, Ma'alan. You will see. You know. And I remember just every night, even if I was gonna do half page or page, I was gonna get it done. I remember listening to Mashawi and the other uh, Qadis like Khalil Husri, just listening to the pages, and I remember just saying to myself, okay, Toba done. Next. Go to the next surah. Go yes. to the next surah. Oh my God, I'm in, I'm in Anam now. <laughs> it's like, whoa, I'm in, I'm, now I'm in Maida. Whoa, I'm in Nisa. And it's like the three last surahs. December 7th, 2018. Hilal officially finished the Quran. We turn up for Allah's sake, okay? The Qatim party was lit. December 7th, uh, in, I, woke up on, I woke up in the morning on December 7th. And I remember waking up Adar for Fajr and I remember saying to myself, am I really finishing the Quran today? I'm like, I'm doing the last page of Baqarah today. And I remember, um, I remember actually, no one knew, but I didn't have Ayatuddin done yet. <laughs> and that's one. That's the longest ayah in the Quran, right? It's a whole page. So I remember a very good friend of mine, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward her, she like woke up after Fajr with me until noon you listening to me and and telling me okay next ayah next ayah she was helping me prepare the ayah to Dean. I remember may Allah reward her it's like the water boy literally she was like okay no do it again you're you making water, a mistake here's the towel exactly. let's go you got this you got this you got or this. like the the person on the side of the boxers that would give them that wipe off I, she was she was Mike Wiping Tyson off, yeah. I was Mike Tyson she was the towel boy the towel, towel girl boy. yeah the towel girl for me <laughs> And she was literally like, come on, final stretch. You could do this. And she was like, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to get you to the end. And I finally finished Ayat Dain, And then I got to the last page of Baqarah. And I already knew the last page of Baqarah because of Adhkar and um, already memorized it previously. So I remember getting ready. You know, I got. I was like, okay, I got to wear the freshest jilbab. Uh, you know, I got to wear, you know, the freshest naqab. I remember uh, ordering my naqab like a week before. I'm like, my khatam naqab has to be too sick with it. Too sick with it. You know, it. I remember just getting my gloves on. I remember just say, looking at the mirror saying, you are going to your khatam party today. And I remember it was a jum'ah. I remember I finished on a Friday. And I remember going into Ma'ana's house and I got there early because I just wanted a moment where with, with you and her. With just me and Ma'ana. So I went to the house and she took me to the room actually. She's like, okay, start Ayatuddin. And I remember I, I, that I was crying on Ayatuddin. There's no, Ayatuddin has no, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's rulings. You're sobbing. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, like, the you last ayah where Allah says, Allah. Like, fear Allah and Allah will teach you. That just affected me. That affected me so, like, it hit me so differently. And I remember just crying and saying to myself, like, Allah, yeah, after all I've been through, and I'm finally here, and you were the one that taught me. And that I just, I remember hitting me differently that day. I remember, and she was like, it's okay, cry. And she just had a moment with me. She sat with me, and she just said to me, listen, in the next hour, people are going to come, and they're going to be coming here to celebrate you finishing the Quran. But you're not finished yet. You just started. She put me in check. She was like, you finished, and this is a great thing. And she was reminding me of the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how even finishing in this type of country where there's so much fitin and it's so hard to even be connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forget about even being a student of the Quran. And she was telling me, Allah chose you. After today, you can never be the same. After today, you have to hold yourself as a person of the Quran. And she was telling me, you finished now, but you're starting a new journey. And that is now going back and perfecting everything you've memorized and basically leveling up so she's like when you thank allah subhanahu wa ta'ala today for finishing the quran you're also going to ask allah to increase you and give you istiqama steadfastness 
And I remember just saying, okay. And I remember listening to her words. And till this day, may Allah reward my those words really affected me. And I remember just sitting there and everyone coming in, just hugging me. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Ma Baruch, you know, present after present. It was just so overwhelming with love. There, it was it was packed in there. So packed. There was yeah. nowhere to stand. It was there. everyone came out to hear you recite those verses. Yeah. It was as if everyone knew every it's like everyone knew what you went through. And they said, This is your moment. This was your redemption. This was was the mission from the beginning. And perhaps this is the path Allah wanted for you. Yeah, I remember just you guys I remember you guys all coming in sitting around and she was like okay start it's i don't i don't know how to explain to you but that, those last ayahs when you're finishing it's so emotional it's like you remember your whole journey it just hits you one time i remember the day i walked into the masjid the first day when i just started practicing i remember going in and not knowing how to pray salah i just started remembering all the times i was staying up and i couldn't even recite one verse for how many months to learning how to recite to to, to read to going through my it was just like a flashback everything just hit me one time and that moment was just like and i'm finally like allah finally got me here and i just couldn't believe he chose me i it was like as, as if i couldn't believe it but i knew it was here and i was grateful for it and that was honestly the best day of my entire life and I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. Whenever I look back at my story, I always think about the verse in Surah Yunus where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, you know, Ya ayyuhan nas, qad ja'atkum maw'idatun min rabbikum wa shifa'un lima fi sudu wa hudan wa rahmatun lil mu'mineen. Oh people, you know, Allah ta'ala is calling to all mankind that there has come to you you know, a warning from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from your Lord. And in this warning is a cure. There's a cure in there. So my whole life, you know, everything I went through, you know, the anxiety and, and the divorce and all that I was going through, the cure was within the Quran. And the the cure within my breasts, within our hearts, sudur Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, within the chests, you know. And it, it was... Not only that, but who then a guidance for me. Because remember, I, I, I never practiced Islam my whole life. But it was the Quran that guided me. You know, it was Allah who found me lost and he guided me. And the Quran was also rahmah. It was a mercy to me because of how weak I was and how many faults I have. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still allowed to have mercy upon me. Rahmatul lil mu'mineen. So Quran is a mercy to the believers. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the next verse, قُلْ So say this, because of this great blessing of this Quran, قُلْ بِفَضْلِ اللَّهِ وَبِرَحْمَتِهِ فَبِذَلِكَ فَلْيَفْرَحُوا هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam here that in the mercy and in his grace, let them rejoice over this Qur'an. You know, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the Qur'an, He tells us to be happy about it. Many blessings Allah mentions in the Qur'an, He always reminds us to be, you know, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ Be grateful for it. But also reminds us that this is a matarul hayat dunya It's going to end. He never ever tells us to be happy about any other blessing except for the blessing of the Qur'an. He actually commands us, فَلْيَفْرَحُوا and why should you be happy? This Qur'an is better than anything you have ever been given in this dunya. Whatever you decide to accumulate, the Qur'an will always be better. You know? And it's this Qur'an that gives you life. Like how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَوَّ مَنْ كَانَ مَيْتًا فَأَحْيَيْنَاهُ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُ نُورًا يَمْشِي بِهِ فِي النَّاسِ You know, it's this Qur'an that literally wakes up the dead heart. You can literally be lifeless, dead, no purpose. And this Qur'an will literally give you life. And that's what the Qur'an did for me. I was confused, lost. I didn't know what I wanted to be in life. I didn't know where to go. I was scared. And it was the Qur'an that gave me life. It woke up my dead heart. You know? And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, وَكَذَلِكَ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ رُوحًا مِنْ أَمْرِنَا Allah SWT told the Prophet ﷺ, We have revealed to you 
you know, from our command, a ruh, ruh min amrina, something that gives you life. And imagine, subhanAllah, where Allah is telling the Prophet sallam, You didn't know anything about this Qur'an. It was Allah who taught you. It was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gave you this Qur'an. Right? Before, prior to it, you didn't know anything. And, you know, through this Qur'an, Allah gives you light. And He guides you through this light. And He does this for whoever He wills. It is Allah who chooses whom He gives this Qur'an to. Right? So, nobody's far from learning the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As long as you have iman and you have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you have the intention to learn his book, Allah will give it to you. And it is through this book that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided the people before us, the righteous people before us. If you look at the sahabas radiallahu anhum, many of them were what? Mushrikeen. They, most of them didn't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or they used to worship idols or some of them, you know, were not born Muslims. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided them through this Qur'an and they became the most honorable, you know, nation that we today make dua for them, right? We see, every time we mention the name, what do we say? Radiallahu anhum. Because it was just through this Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, he elevated their ranks. And it's through this Qur'an that you can get the honor that you we seek from this dunya. It's, this, it's through this Qur'an that you will be cured from your heart, any affliction any problems you go through in this life it is the quran that frees you from this you know and the hardships of this life will never end one starts one ends and then when the one ends another one's gonna come but when the person has the quran ya other they're able to you know get through life with ease because they have the book of allah right so i i i, I truly truly always advocate you know especially to my sisters, to learn the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wow. Okay. So, um, I know I, I, I want to say something I have to add. Mm -hmm. um, and this is just because the listeners are at this point have followed you from last episode and this episode. And I've been following your story my entire day I've met you. And I know that your journey is actually just beginning. Yep. And that you're, you set out a huge goal. And that goal is to become one day bi'idhnilahi kareem a female scholar. And I believe that that's going to be your, your, your end result. I believe it. Sure. I believe with every fiber of my being, Hilal, that you're, a cho you're chosen. And I think you were picked for a reason. And I'm so honored. And I don't want to get emotional, but I'm so honored <laughs> to know don't, you. Don't no, because I saw... <laughs> I cope a lot. I laugh. <laughs> I laugh. <laughs> I laugh. <laughs> I laugh. <laughs> we laugh if you cry. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I saw all of it. Mm -hmm. You know, as you're telling the story, I remember, I remember certain images. Like I, I I'm a, I'm a, a visual person. Mm -hmm. I see certain images. Probably you'd be so surprised if you could see what what I'm seeing in my head. And um, I always believed in you from the beginning. I met you until the day that you're at this point, and I knew there was something special going on. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that one day, and this is my dream because I'm a massive dreamer. After storyteller, I'm a massive dreamer. And my dream is that one day I'm going to visit you in Egypt. Oh. <laughs> and I'm going to fly and you're going to have the most biggest durus oh, and female students in Egypt and uh, you're going to be at the front of the room and I'm going to walk in like I've been living Egypt my entire life and I'm <laughs> going to sit in the back as if I'm a student mm -hmm. and I'm going to watch your students digitally write notes and be afraid of you know, of what, you know, passing their asha towards um, with you or just speaking amongst themselves and then somebody's going to look at me and say Hey, are you a student here? Or why aren't you? Where's your books? Where's your notes? And I'm going to say, I've been Hilal's student my for a couple of years Allah now, Allah, Allah, Allah. and uh, and they're going to laugh and they're going to think, what is this regular girl talking about? And I'm going to walk up up into the room and I'm going to see you. You're going to smile at me, and we're going to hug. And people are going to oh, be surprised. That's and that's what I dream of. <laughs> I dream of that day and I know it's going to happen. And I'm calling it now as the listeners are oh, listening. And I think the listeners now are inspired to follow your story from now on. And inshallah, as long as this podcast is running, 
I'm going to audit your story up oh, until that moment inshallah. in hopes to inspire more female scholars. Inshallah. Um, and, uh, and I ask Allah SWT to make that possible, that mm-hmm. when you go to Egypt, I get to interview when you come back, or even maybe the possibility of going there and, and doing this again and seeing mm-hmm. where you're at again, and what other final stretch... <laughs> You're going to experience, inshallah. But Allah jazakallah khair for sharing your story. Honestly, Adatul, that was the most sweetest words. And I hate us because (laughs) why do we laugh? (laughs) Um, I have tears rolling down my face. No, no. And, um, and Jonathan brought us tissues and I really appreciate him for that. We really needed these. (laughs) He's so kind. A'udhu billahi minash rajim. آمن الرسول بما أنزل إليه من ربه والمؤمنون كل آمن بالله وملائكته وكتبه ورسله لا نفرق بين أحد من رسله وقالوا سمعنا وأطعنا غفرانك ربنا وإليك المصير لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها لها ما كسبت وعليها ما اكتسبت ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين. So like wow, um, that was an emotional episode. Um, this episode was brought to you by Beautiful Light Studios. Um, I'd like to thank the sponsors for sponsoring this episode you have no idea how helpful it's been and how much our reach is going or how far our reach is getting because of those donations and I ask Allah Sata to make it a heavyweight on your scale of good deeds I also like to give a shout out to our producer okay our head of state okay Muna Sheikh Umar um, shout out to Muna incredible episode Jazakallah Khair again for producing this episode and I'd also love to give a shout out to our sound engineer, Jonathan. I think it's going to be a thing now. Every time we're here, we're going to say, shout out to Jonathan. <laughs> so shout out to our sound engineer. I'd like to give a shout out to Hilal, who's been helping us fundraise for Digital Sisterhood Podcast. Your efforts do not go unnoticed, sis. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Thanks for supporting me. Thank you for being a good friend. And thank you for sharing your story. You're incredible. See you next Friday at noon. Our episode drops, by the way, for anybody that's wondering, every Friday at noon. Catch me in your speakers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts as of recently. And yeah, shall I see you guys next week. Peace.